When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Mick Jones of Foreigner, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are part of the vast and always growing Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. So this is episode 102. Uh, I'm calling this one, Here Comes Success! Exclamation mark. Here Comes Success. It's always a good day when I get to uh, quote Iggy Pop. Um, but yeah, this is... um. It's going to be an interesting discussion, I think, because it's about the different ways that, um, you know, these rock bands can measure success or we can measure the success of rock bands for them uh, kind of thing. Um, so all of these have different examples and different ways to look at, you know, what has been a successful career as a rock band. Um, so without to get in without getting into it any further, because, uh, you know, every every example we will illustrate Let's jump into our first song. Uh, this is Deep Purple with Lady Double Dealer. Right there you go. That's the second heaviest song off of the Stormbringer album. Uh, I wanted to play this one uh, to illustrate the idea of um, success through getting awards or, or award shows. Um, now this is this is not this is not record awards. Uh, spoiler alert. We're going to kind of talk about that a little later. Um, but I wanted to pick Deep Purple because. Uh, you know, this is one of the bands I, I remember for Goldmine Magazine. I wrote these these big, long sort of uh, with multi-multi-point treatises on Deep Purple, Judas Priest, and yes, in terms of them getting into the Hall of Fame. And those went into Goldmine Magazine. And uh, the Judas Priest one hasn't been successful yet, but Deep Purple actually did get in. I don't know if I had anything to do with that. I don't think so. But um, I wanted to pick them here. And I want to pick something off of Stormbringer because uh, this is a situation where, as usual, there was drama uh, about the, you know, the guys getting in and who shows up and who doesn't. I guess Richie didn't show up, right? Um, but we've got we've got Glenn Hughes and David Coverdale uh, as part of this thing, and and they're put in uh, with it. So there was also the debate of which Deep Purple members uh, can you include, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to pick Deep Purple also because, um, well, let's go through the other ones first. So, so... 
you know, one day, years and years and years ago, before uh, music splintered so much and uh, and the Grammys became more about certain subgenres, the Grammys did mean a little more long, long, long time ago. The Grammys are a joke now. They don't mean anything. Uh, no one really pays any attention to it, at, at least in our world. I mean, in the absolute pure pop world, sure. Um it's it's kind of worth looking at um but you know along the way there's been metal hammer you know rock gods q q awards um there's the metal hall of fame i've been a uh, part of that i got to induct from the stage or i heap into that uh, be- before um with Pat Giswaldo, uh, who runs the thing. Uh, there's the American Music Awards. There's the MTV Music Awards or Music Video Awards or whatever they're called. I always thought that was a big joke too because, uh, you know, they were always, it was always about the bands and not the people who actually made the videos. Uh, in Canada, we have the Juno Awards. So the same thing as the CFL, the Canadian Football League. You know, you, you kind of feel, well, it's kind of a lesser thing because you're all your competitions only across Canada. Um so there's a, there's what Euro song contest, all that kind of stuff, right? So so um, the idea of seeing success through award uh, these awards things, um, it does have some validity here and there. I would say the second most, uh, you know, the one that has the most validity is the Grammys. Um, but you know, I I've always uh, talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and saying I'm not exactly a hater because these things are so hard to get off the ground and get traction. And the fact of the matter is, the Rock Hall has kind of gained some traction. So so I I pay attention every time the nominations came out and then uh, who wins the thing or who gets in. Um, you know the format is not perfect but it's hard to make a perfect format when you're when you're talking about we've got a limited amount we're putting in every year and you know every year as it comes up obviously their big rule that they live by which is the cool one uh pretty cool rule is you know you've had to been uh, around for 25 years i guess since your de- debut album or whatever um so in that in you know in that respect somewhat it's a little bit like the sports hall of fames like you have to i i think you have to be retired or out of it or something like that um you know depending on which hall of fame you're looking at um so so there are ways to make it work and i think the rock hall has more or less uh, made it work so um you know a lot of there are bands that complain about the rock hall when they don't get in probably and then and then have to kind of like you know bite their tongue and and go and show up and be in or or they or they you know stick with their convictions and and don't give pay it any mind um you know that happens at the awards shows at all there's a lot of famous examples of of guys not showing up to get their rewards right um so there's award shows. This is, I think, the most dubious way, um, you know, the, the the most fragile, the not the not greatest way, um, you know, to measure success. But it is one way of these bands measuring success. All right, let's move on to our second second example. Take a listen to this. This is a, a little old band from Canada called Rush with Between Sun and Moon. All right, so I wanted to pick something with um, Pai Dubois on lyrics, uh, you know, co-lyrics. Um, 
Love Pies, buddy of mine, one of my favorite lyricists of all time. Um, but uh, so this is from Counterparts as well. Um, so we're moving up into the career. I wanted to pick Rush as an example here of uh, of a certain type of success. And this is the success of um, selling a lot of concert tickets uh, of a band that, um, you know, uh, incongruous with their with their waning record sales over the years starting kind of in the mid 80s i would say um you know still still pretty pretty appreciable amount of records they've they managed to go gold almost every time up until recent years right um but the neat thing is is this is a band that um uh it's a little bit like Iron Maiden, like Iron Maiden was the other band i was going to use as an example here uh as a band who um who whose record sales uh, are are okay, um, but when Iron Maiden comes to town, they sell out the place. People love it. They put on a great live show. So this is a combination of putting on a great live show in terms of the actual meat puppets up there, the the flesh and blood guys, plus the stage show, um, plus just the appreciation and the love that the fans have that they want to come out and see what they're up to every time, even though you know the records. Um, might not be capturing the attention as much. They'll put a record out, they'll go tour. So Maiden and Rush have, have always been able to maintain through all of those, you know, semi-fallow years, uh, being a big band live. And and Maiden is an example of, uh, I guess, a little more radically than Rush that the record sales became, you know, quite low compared to how amazingly successful they were live. Um, so there you go. There's another, there's another example, uh, where a band, you know, say a manager like a Rod Smallwood or whatever, you know, I'm not saying this is Rod exactly, but, um, you know, if you're trying to look at the happy part of a story and the part where you say, okay, this is why we think we're successful. Rod can definitely point to, uh, the live situation and, and how many fans show up for shows. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of other bands you could put in this example. Uh, Bruce Springsteen in later years, of course, even Rolling Stones in later years, Bob Dylan, um, you know, because I think of all of those three acts also as bands that, you know, past their primes, uh, didn't sell a ton of records. Uh, the records are kind of inconsequential and it becomes just this, uh, you know, this event when they come to town, it's royalty coming to town kind of thing. Um, all right, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again here. Uh, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 102. Here comes success. Um, take a listen to this. This is our third example, Porcupine Tree with Anesthetize. There you go, big long track off of my favorite Porcupine Tree album. What a concept. One of the greatest concepts for a concept album, I think, of all time. This idea of, you know, dead-end, dead-eyed British youth uh, having no hope and watching too much TV and sitting in the dark and playing their video games. Really, really cool concept. Um, Great album. Uh, I picked Porcupine Tree as an example here of a band that could internally measure their success or externally from the the fans bestow uh, an element of success on the band for just being considered 
an absolute great band in terms of uh, you're a critics darling. Um, there's not there's not many critics or even casual music fans. If you know Porcupine Tree, you love them. Uh, if you know Porcupine Tree to any level, you know it's not the kind of band that's going to say, "Wow, those guys kind of suck." I hate Porcupine Tree. So the fans that know them, who are usually you know pretty deep musicologist type music fans, love them to death. The critics love them. They thought they were great. Um, so I wanted to use this example. Uh, also, as uh, as a, f I'm going to fold into this example because I'm not I'm not using it as an official one uh, of how to measure success, and that's probably you know possibly the greatest or the one with the most goodwill internal success. Like the band themselves are going to their graves thinking we made some great work. We don't care who bought it, who ever heard of us, uh, you know how how many records we sold. We know we did some great work and it's the thing I'm most proud of in my life kind of thing, right? But I wanted to just kind of include that in here because I think those guys can feel that satisfaction when they know nobody dislikes their band and a lot of people love their band to death and are super obsessed by their band and disgust them to death and the critics like them as well. So Porcupine Tree is a, is a, a cool band in that department. The other reason I wanted to pick Porcupine Tree is because they've had this weird situation where uh, you know they kind of broke up more or less in their prime and Stephen Wilson went on to, uh, to put together a band or a solo project that was more... Uh, even more progressive than Porcupine Tree was because Porcupine Tree was, you know, quote unquote, a progressive metal band. And Stephen Wilson, you know, more or less was, is, a, is a mellower version of Porcupine Tree. And now he's even gone into some electronica kind of stuff. But I wanted to just kind of paint a little bit of a picture of, of that dynamic where the guys have been forced to move on or have moved on, you know, Gavin Harrison, King Crimson, like pretty cool. But and even Stephen Wilson. So all of these guys, Richard, um, you know, uh, uh, didn't I say, yeah, Gav Gavin Harrison. Yeah, G Gavin went to King Crimson, right? Um, yeah. So I think an interesting dynamic here is that those guys can always look back on Porcupine Tree and Stephen Wilson included and 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 think, yeah, we were really something else. We were really cool. We had that neat dynamic. It didn't last forever. We broke it up, which is kind of cool in itself. It adds a coolness factor. Um, but there's there's definitely, I would think, an internal an internal feeling there that uh, we did some amazing work. And whatever we do now, we're kind of on a victory lap. Uh, we don't have to do anything better to be considered legends. Um, and I think that's kind of the porcupine tree thing. I, I think the legend of porcupine tree can only grow uh, because of the stasis, because of, you know, closing it off. Um, although Stephen Wilson always says it's never completely closed off. But the fact that it's there, just kind of like the police, um, you know, another band that's kind of closed off at a certain time. Um, the legend can only get bigger. So there's that personal internal satisfaction and definitely that, you know, the fans and the critics darling thing as well. Um, so there you go. That's a whole different uh, way of measuring success. Let's move on and play our fourth track here. Take a listen to this. You may have heard of them. Queen. This is Don't Stop Me Now.
All right, so this is an interesting one. I actually had kind of six examples, but I decided to fold this example in with um, with uh, uh, with this one. So so Queen, I'm picking this to discuss Spotify plays and YouTube views. Um, but the other example I was going to pick. Uh, was I was going to play a little bit of Led Zeppelin in my time of dying to talk a little bit about gold and platinum and uh, and the wiki page uh, of, you know, where, okay, I'll get to that. Let's talk about Spotify plays first of all. So I wanted to pick Don't Stop Me Now because I was quite amazed to see that this song has a billion Spotify plays. Another one bites the dust, a billion Spotify plays. Bohemian Rhapsody, 1.5 billion Spotify plays. Uh, 911 million for Under Pressure, 712 million for We Will Rock You. Uh, rounding out the top 10, uh, or next in the top 10 would be uh, Somebody to Love with 543 million Spotify plays. So this is, a, this is a kind of like an easy, quick way to get a little bit of a summary and just open your Spotify account and, and um, you know, put in the band name and, um, you know, depending on how it looks for you, I, maybe there's different ways of looking at it, but, but you get to see the top 10 songs. And then if you pick an album, you get to see how, how, how much those songs are played on the album. So I could see somebody writing a ton of books on all this stuff. Um, you know, comparing all these cool statistics, but the problem is they are changing all the time, and uh, and it's it's only one kind of fractional way to measure things because you know, a Spotify is only one place where you can stream music. You know, forget about downloads. I mean, downloads used to be a measure, and that's not really anymore. Uh, and then YouTube is another place where you can look, but that's also mixed in with the idea of visuals with video. Um, so. I'll tell you the main way I measure the success of a band and I'm just I'm just telling you that this is something that I'm super interested in and it is really the the benchmark that I use all the time. And and I'll tell you a very specific way it's a benchmark. It's the wiki page and it's it's the wiki page for a band that has a discography that shows you the gold and platinum um the RIAA Record Industry Association of America, I believe that stands for RIAA, um, certifications uh, for everybody's albums. Now, so number one, uh, I measure success by American certifications because quite often, depending on the level of detail, you know, Wiki is a little bit of the Wild West, but it but it has a nice format, so you always know where everything is. But um, but it's a little bit of the Wild West because uh, depending on how much detail whoever's kind of put it together, uh, they're going to show you show you Canadian, British, uh, maybe some French, maybe some German, maybe some Finland seems to get in there a lot, maybe some Australia. None of that really matters to me in a big way. I mean, I, I essentially look at the RIAA. I mean, you can see certain trends and go, wow, these guys were huge in their native Britain or whatever like that. Um, so so this is this is one big measure for me of uh, of of how big a band is. And one, one sub measure, uh, which is a funny thing is, and I may even do an episode on this cause I I'm always fascinated by this. When I, when I go check out these bands, I always kind of go and see how their greatest hits album did. And, and you would, you would not believe how many times the greatest hits album is, uh, is the band's biggest album. And so many bands never do the greatest hits album. And it's probably a big mistake. Uh, you know, later on they look back in their career and go, wow, you know, we probably could have, pretty easily had our first or second biggest album ever with our greatest hits album. But that's a funny thing too. Um, 
But one of the things about this whole thing, and here's maybe even another episode, is that a lot of them, for usually not great reasons, it's somebody's trying to snow one over on somebody else, you know, on the money end of things. Um, sometimes those certification levels, well, occasionally they're they're uh, exaggerated and wrong. Uh, that's very occasional, but much more often uh, they're really undercounted. So so you're getting kind of like a dim view of uh, of how well a band did i mean two bands that always come to mind when i think of this are iron maiden and david bowie and i'm not going to go into it but i know a little bit of the story about why bowie is like that and i I bet it's kind of a similar story with with maiden um but this is the thing that i always uh you know am i just being like a really old person in in picking this as my my reason to you know because it is number one it is uh, by all, by definition almost kind of an old thing um because as you get up into sort of the 2005 range um you know record sales are not that important anymore and it does become more about um spotify plays and youtube views um so so it is so you know because i deal a lot in heritage acts it's it's an okay measure and and i like it as a measure um but i but i do wonder if it's being like a like an old person's measure the same way you know grammys is just like you're just a pop tart measure of uh, of what's going on right um but i'm just telling you that that this is actually out of all these things this is one of the key ways that i you know day to day writing all these books uh will will kind of gauge the success of a band uh and then there's the other thing with with getting your stuff certified that you you know somebody has to deliberately go and do that and and as you'll notice over time usually management or the label or whoever wants to wants to call it and do it does it in chunks so you see a lot of albums getting certified at the same time now if you don't want to trust the wiki page which is which is probably a good practice not to trust it it's very easy to do a search on riaa you just put in golden platinum search um, in google and and it'll take you right to the riaa part of that and then you've got to be a little smart about how you use the search uh, thing there but it's quite easy to search this and one of the fun things i like as well which i again i could see doing an episode or even a book on this uh if you go under more details you know pick a huge album back in black or something you'll see you'll see how quickly and how often these things are certified over time so you get to see things like uh, oh it was kind of a slow burning album it, it took a long long time to certify but it did um you know stuff like that so you, so you get to see the the rapidity uh that that these things happen with so uh so there you go that was that was queen don't stop me now which uh you know i i kind of picked just as an example who is a a heritage act but b has a lot of spotify plays you know maybe that's not a lot of spotify plays compared to you know some of these uh some of these big pop tart bands which often are kind of flash in the pan flash in the pan bands um that's one of the things spotify has uh you know one of the narratives that has come out of spotify is that uh, classic rock does quite well uh and and continues to do well so you know you know when when we all when all us old people put down pop there's kind of a reason to kind of put it down because it is a little flash in the panty um but yeah, I, I I found that interesting. So so again, uh, you know this this fourth example, this combo fourth example of golden platinum crossed with Spotify are kind of measuring the same thing. They're 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 mathematically measuring uh, how successful a band is. So uh, you know I'll leave that with you to decide how important that is. It it just kind of is important to me. I think because it's a lot more factual than than all those 
you know, silly awards shows, which are so laden with politics all the time. Um, so there you go. Let's uh, let's move on to our fifth example. Um, take a listen to this. This is Kiss with Baby Driver. Oh, what a ride of carrying such a heaven So this is an interesting one. I wanted to pick this one last because it has a little bit to do with fan obsession. Uh, measuring success by how much a band is discussed. Um, there have been KISS conventions. So there's one litmus test right there. I mean, not a lot of different bands have had conventions for them, right? Uh, KISS has always been one of the biggest ones. But people have, you know, KISS conventions is kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Rush is also this kind of band as well. So so Rush is in here kind of in two ways. Um, they are a, a, a band that is greatly obsessed over, a band that has a lot of experts, a band that has conventions, a band that has podcasts de dedicated to them, a band that has YouTube channels dedicated to them, a band that has a lot of books out on them. I think I've written half of them. Um, and a band that... Uh, that that essentially has a lot of um, you know that I'm intimidated by their fans uh, by how much they know a lot of trivia about them and and I really think this is a thing because there are so many bands that I don't feel that there's the same kind of passion for I mean is there this same kind of passion for uh, Metallica or the Eagles uh, you know I think of a band like Slayer. You know, I was thinking like, like, you know, comparing all these different ways of success. Slayer is this beloved band, but where are Slayer most beloved? They're most beloved in the pit at the show. Um, so people lose their minds to Slayer and love it and go crazy and love to see them live and, and yell their guts out. But that's probably the place that people are most into Slayer. They aren't most into Slayer when it comes to the record sales. They aren't most into Slayer when it comes to Slayer conventions, which I've never heard of one. Maybe there has been one. I don't know. Um, uh, and they're not, they're not into them uh, in terms of having these massive, you know, massive discussions and experts all the time who, who are like scholars on Slayer. Um, but that definitely happens with Kiss. Um, and it definitely happens with Rush. Um, I don't know who am, who am I leaving out here. Uh, Grateful Dead, uh, Grateful Dead is another band that I could have put in the in the ticket, um, you know, uh, department of this as well. There's a band like Radically didn't sell very many records, but it was a huge event when they would come to town because it's such a community gathering. Um, uh, you know, and one other thing on this as well uh, with some of these bands, um, Kiss strikes me this way, Led Zeppelin strikes me this way. There's also a lot of um, sometimes there's a lot of bad vibes uh, within the fans as they as they absolutely argue and debate with each other. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put Rush in this department because Rush fans all seem to be a lot more polite with each other. But I've noticed that in the Kiss camps, uh, Led Zeppelin camps. Um, where, where, you know, if you say something, if you diss the band at all, you know, all fans come out of the woodwork and, and defend them almost on a childish level, like not even arguing back with you kind of thing. Um, so 
so there you go. Measuring, you know, is is Kiss probably Kiss feels this way as well. So will Kiss actually measure some of their internal success um, by this phenomenon? They probably even measure this more. Uh, they they are probably not as proud about the music that they've made over their lives as they are um, the the um, the the uh, cultural impact of the idea of Kiss and the makeup and the shows plus the tickets sold, but also I think they probably take a lot of satisfaction about just how absolutely, you know, rabid the KISS fans are, always willing to discuss them. Tons and tons of KISS books out there, uh, you know, at, going down to very granular levels. That's the other thing in this department. A lot of the books are super, super academic and detailed, you know, the tour histories and things like that, the collectibles books. Um, and there's another thing as well. KISS is, you know, a pretty highly collectible band. Um, you know, Beatles are the kings of, uh, of rock collectibles, of course. Um, but Kiss is pretty high up there uh, in that respect as well. So very, very collectible band. All right. So there you go. Um, just, to, just to recap. Yeah, a bit of a conceptual one. So I will recap. Um, we talked about awards shows, uh, including the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We talked about selling lots of concert tickets. We talked about being a critic's darling and just being beloved by your fans um, because you are awesome and you're geniuses. Um, we talked about uh, the math of, uh, of RIAA certification for gold and platinum and diamond, if you're lucky, um, but also mixed in with uh, you know the old school idea of downloads and the newer school idea of Spotify plays and iTunes plays and YouTube video uh, views. Um, and then we talked about the most kind of nebulous, how how obsessive and crazy your fans are and how scholarly they are and how they take you seriously enough to talk about you all the time and write stuff on you and have video, you know, YouTube shows on you and podcasts on you. Um, so there you go. There's, there's five different ways bands can measure success. And yes, of course, we did talk about uh, the internal uh, barometer or thermometer or, uh, you know, measure of success saying, I don't care what about any of the awards the sales or what any of the fans think or the critics think i know i've done some amazing work and that's all that matters so there's that as well all right um so if you would like to uh support future episodes of this uh you know the the ko-fi thing um there was a uh, i had a couple guys tell me it was down or not working properly but i even got one in between and then i got a few after um but and then i even emailed ko-fi and said you know something seems to be not working in a panic so we we but it's it is working now and i've i've gotten more um but uh this was a, definitely a down week in ko-fi because it does seem to be there was uh there there was a little thing you know uh and then a couple of people just went straight to paypal and sent me a paypal which you can do as well if you want to skip you know this Ko-Fi thing or any kind of new new because I don't do uh, Patreon or anything. So Martin P at inforamp.net, which is also just my email address. You can just send me a direct PayPal there if you if you want to support the show. But anyways, uh, on that on that count, so this is a combination of um, of PayPal's and Ko-Fi, um, Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi. Um, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission helped out this week. Bruce Campbell did as well. Andrew Clark, Kevin Latham. Uh, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Brian Sager, and William Zwertz. Thank you all very much. Uh, and of course, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Um, still got Flame and Telegraphs. 
uh, telepaths, sorry. Um, still got the Angel book, the Sweet book. I can supply all three of the Rush hardcover books. And in about two weeks, I'll have the Uriah Heap coffee table book as well. That's winging its way over to me from, uh, from England as we speak. So there you go. Thanks again. Um, I would uh, be very interested this time around on the Facebook page. Let me know uh, how you how you would measure um, a band's success most of all. Uh, how, how do you actually consider uh, a band having done well? Um, actually, I'm going to say one more thing on that count. The wiki page in general is, is pretty darn important to me. I don't know why, but um, I, you know, the, how big your wiki page is per album is kind of important. When I see a dodgy short wiki page that doesn't say anything to me, I, I get a kind of a bad, a bad taste about, uh, you know, how, how famous this band is. So when I see those long, super long wiki pages on a certain album, I kind of know it's a classic album. Right. Um, but again, um, I almost, I almost feel like the wiki place because it, you, you can look at the summary of your gold and platinum sort of record, uh, is, is the most important place for a band to show their success. Success. That's that's literally it. That's that's the recap of this episode. That is my favorite place to check out a band's success really, really quickly is the wiki page of a band's discography. Rather than RIAA directly, it's that's the quick and dirty way to go see how how really well did a band actually do. Um so there you go. I mean, we didn't talk about billboard, you know, charts or any of that kind of stuff. I don't think that's as important uh, in the UK. Apparently charts are a little more important, but yeah, just to recap the wiki page, the discography, gold and platinum. That's it. Talk to you later. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.